Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR with old and new reads for every literary taste. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? It's going well. It's a really nice day over here, and it's finally starting to feel like summer. I think not being in a school building and having that end of the school year energy has thrown off my internal seasonal clock, but I think it's finally changing. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting some spring weather here, so it still very much feels like spring to me, but in some ways it feels like an endless spring just because of all the (laughs) weird stuff that has gone down. I think I'm going to be surprised as the weather gets warmer like I never believed it would happen. Yeah, that's such a good point. I I have found, as I think a lot of people have, that March felt endless and then I cannot believe how quickly April went by. And now here we are in May and I'm just, it's just confusing. The whole thing, time is a mess. I I agree. It is weird. Also, if you hear a lawnmower, that's my neighbor. So <laughs> hopefully it won't come come through with the audio. But. <laughs> well, um. we'll make it work. <laughs> but today we are talking about our favorite reads of the spring season. We kind of planned novel pairings to have a seasonal feel to it, even if we're not totally organizing our show by seasons, because so many books and particularly classics just feel like a certain season. And so we intentionally planned the books we chose for spring, and we thought it'd be fun to do a little wrap up of all of our spring reading classics and contemporary books. I think this is going to be really fun because, of course, we love chatting about the classics together, but we also have lots of conversations about what we're currently reading off mic, and I just think it's going to be fun to talk about these and also give people a little bit more of a peek into our regular reading lives. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially as we keep recommending more and more books on the regular episodes of the podcast. People might want to know a little bit more about what kind of readers we are, and so they can factor that into the recommendations we give. So this this episode will be a little bit more unstructured than our typical episodes, and we are very much excited about that. Yes. <laughs> Before we launch into books, should we just chat really quickly a little bit about this is our first, I don't know quarter of the podcast yeah yes it's been so fun obviously we could not have predicted the situation we would be in while launching this podcast and recording it and the podcast has just been such a bright spot for me knowing that I have these conversations to look forward to with you and giving me some a creative outlet but also some good focus for these weird long days and weeks it's been so special i agree wholeheartedly it has been wonderful to have our friday recording sessions to look forward to to give a little bit of structure to the week and just have something to get excited about when so many other things are canceled or can't happen We've always been doing this long distance, and so we can continue to get excited for what we're doing here, and it's just nice to have that stuff to look forward to. That's so true. And weirdly, or maybe this isn't weird, I don't know if other readers have found this, I've really enjoyed returning to classics right now. I mean, my the other books I'm reading that aren't for the podcast aren't all classics. (laughs) It's not that I've completely reverted to that, but... There's something comforting about rereads. There's something comforting about reading books that have spoken 
to and about the plights of humanity for many, many years. That just makes me feel connected to humanity in a way that's can be difficult and challenging to find right now. Mm, yeah, that's so sweet. And even uh, as I'm thinking about rereading the classics, that's a great point. But even just revisiting my bookshelves to find pairings for these classics and looking at the books that I really enjoyed reading in the past and remembering what life was like when I read that book (laughs) has been a nice reminiscence and then a reminder of days to come. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. It's like this nice nostalgia, but also looking forward to things. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode from the last three months? Oh, I think that my favorite episode might be our bonus episode about Roman fever. That was mine too. Oh, (laughs) it was so fun to record. And when I was editing it and then I listened to it again, which I don't always do, (laughs) I loved it. It just felt like we were talking about an episode of reality television or something (laughs) and not that we were talking about this work of classic literature and it was just it was just so fun yeah we weren't drinking martinis and green gowns (laughs) but it kind of felt like we could have been we should add that as a component of our short story episodes those should be recorded with an alcoholic beverage Yes, short stories and cocktails. I like yes. it. <laughs> oh, we could pair them. Okay, lots of ideas. <laughs> See, this has been the other fun part of working together is I feel like every time we talk, we come up with a new idea for what to do next. And it's just really fun. Yeah, it's so fun. And I am so glad that we we really planned on doing our releasing our episodes every other week. And that is what we're going to continue to do release our regular episodes every other week it's just impossible to teach and have a life and read a work of classic literature once a week we just couldn't do it but we've left room for ourselves to be creative and plan bonus content when we can and that's been a really fun element of the last few months just having time and space to to do bonus episodes and finding some things that we really enjoy in that work for us Yeah, and we've had some technical issues. We've had other life stuff that comes up, um, so I don't want to make it sound like it's all been rainbows. There are always challenges that come with a creative project, but overall, I have to say this has been one of my favorite things. Like When I look back on this time, I'm going to be so glad that we have been doing the podcast. Me too. Well, okay, after some podcast reflection, let's jump into talking about books. So, There were a couple of titles that we both read this season, not necessarily intentionally or as buddy reads or anything, but a lot of new releases that we were both excited about. And so we both read and I thought it'd be fun to chat a little bit about those. So where do you want to start, Chelsea? The first one that we both read, I listened to this one. Did you listen to it on audio? Oh yeah, I think you have to. Yeah, it was open book. And this is Jessica Simpson's memoir. Yes. I I really held out as long as I could. <laughs> I didn't want to read it. <laughs> and I was being such a snob, and it was so good. <laughs> I So I like celebrity memoirs, but I'm pretty picky about them. And my favorite ones are books or celebrity memoirs by uh, writers. So like Mindy Kaling, for example, she's a writer and a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And so I really enjoy that. Not the case here, but it was juicy and gave a lot of behind the scenes details that you really want out of a celebrity memoir. So it's not one that I would revisit or listen to again, but it was a fun listen. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm pretty sure she worked with a ghostwriter. Yes. And I am all for that. I I don't think any less of a celebrity or any memoir um, where somebody teams up with a professional writer. Writing's a profession and get, you know, work with somebody who knows knows it. So, yeah, I thought this was really enjoyable. I I had a lot of fun, like, while I was listening, Google image searching. Yeah. <laughs> 
yes celebrities (laughs) she mentioned or pictures she mentioned or concerts she mentioned because I mean I definitely was aware of Jessica Simpson's career and all of those moments on newlyweds that she was being ridiculous and got shamed for and hearing the behind the scenes was funny but I definitely had to remind myself who a lot of these people were they had they'd gone from my memory (laughs) yeah I also like in addition to all of the fun juicy celebrity gossip which I do think that's a big draw for this book I thought that her honesty and her sharing of her alcohol addiction and recovery and all of that was really inspiring to me I thought that Yes, you hear of a lot of celebrities who go to rehab or whatever, but you you don't always get the true honest details of the middle or when they like really realized they needed help. And I I really liked that that was a big focus of her memoir and that she chose to share that story. Yeah, she was really vulnerable in this book. I enjoyed that too. Yeah, it it was much more raw than I expected it to be. And the balance of that with the juicy drama was just, it was really nice. It was a fun listen, but it wasn't completely insubstantial. Like there, there was some weight there and her messages about body image and all of that and what it was like to be in the public eye from such a young age was also really, really interesting. Definitely. The next one on our list, I actually also listened to on audio, The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. And I didn't intend to listen to this on audio because I was gifted a beautiful signed first edition (laughs) for my birthday by you. But just with the timing of it, I couldn't get into it. My brain wouldn't let me enjoy reading on the page. So I went to audio and absolutely loved it. Oh, I'm glad to hear it was good on audio. I read it. It was one of the few books I'm real, even though I'm I'm gifted advanced copies by publishers pretty regularly, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm really not good at reading ahead like a lot of book bloggers are. I just, I'm not good at that. But I did read this one ahead because I knew that so many people were looking forward to it, and I thought it'd be fun to, to share my thoughts, and I really enjoyed this one. So it reminds me more of her first few books. I know a lot of people were really keen to compare it to Station Eleven, and I just don't think that's fair. This is very much in line with the more noirish mix of mystery and just human stories that her first few books, I'm thinking like the Lola Quartet. It really reminded me of that. And I think Station Eleven is more of a departure for her. And this is more like her style. Her writing style, her voice is the same across all books. It's absolutely fabulous and wonderful. But just the uh, atmosphere and the sort of... the, The only way I can think of to describe it is that really noir feel to it. Yeah, I haven't read any of her earlier books, Station Eleven, like many people, is my first and only Emily St. John Mandel before The Glass Hotel. And I do always feel for authors who have this this breakout book and then everything they do, people want to compare their next work to it. And then, you know, you're grading on a curve and that makes it hard. But I... I mean, it definitely was quite different from Station Eleven, but I I thought one of my favorite things about Station Eleven was seeing all of the pieces of the story come together in the end and how masterfully she kind of pulls that off. And that happens in The Glass Hotel, too, and I really enjoyed wondering how she was going to bring it all together and then seeing that happen. Also, did you notice there were some crossover characters between Station Eleven and the Glass Hotel? Yes. And there was like a brief mention of a flu pandemic uh-huh. in the Glass Hotel. Yeah. So that was really fun. I love when authors do that. I think it's it's kind of fun to see like an expanded universe of Emily St. John Mandel. But I also think 
this book kind of felt like she was saying, I don't know, there are, there are different ways the world can go. And she was exploring another path that Station Eleven parallels, I guess. Yeah, I love her writing. I'll read everything that she writes. I still have a couple more books on her backlist that I have to get to, but I I do recommend going to her backlist because like the rest of her books, there are threads that you pick up through the story and everything is tied together at the end. Okay, I will definitely be adding more of her work to my list. I, I've really just enjoyed reading backlist in general right now, so I will for sure be doing that. So... Another book that we both read this season, for me, it was my first read. And then you did a discussion episode with Curtis about this book on He Read, She Read. It was your buddy read for, I forget which month, March, maybe. I think March. (laughs) And that is The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. I'm so excited to hear what you think of this one. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite romance novels. This is historical romance, Regency era, think Jane Austen times. And it's it's just fun. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. Oh, I loved it. As you know, I'm I'm new to romance, so I don't have a ton to compare it to and but I think that's that's okay and I do sometimes wonder, I think I've gotten so many good romance recommendations from you and Lee Kramer and a few other people that I I feel like I've only read the best of the best in romance. (laughs) And now I'm not sure how to compare anything else that I come across, but I loved it. I thought I loved obviously the setting. I love the banter between the two main characters. It was so fun to read. And I love a fairy tale retelling, and this one was very Beauty and the Beast-like, but kind of fixes all of the problems that Beauty and the Beast has as a myth and a trope. And it was fun. I mean, it's hard, I think, for any book or any story to address problematic tropes and still revel in tropes. And this one does that. And it's, I just loved it. I think that Tessa Dare is just perfect quarantine reading. She does a great job of addressing societal issues and, you know, including characters to really root for and get attached to in her books. But her humor is fantastic. And they're page turners. So full disclosure, my husband read this in uh, two days and he like <laughs> stayed up late reading it and he absolutely loved it. So if you go listen to the He Read, She Read episode, know that he was a big fan. I really enjoyed listening to your episode <laughs> after I read it too. It was it was so fun. Yeah, I felt a little bit like Curtis, like being a newbie <laughs> to romance <laughs> and getting to hear you share what you love about this one in particular was really fun. And I have already bought another Tessa Dare on my Kindle, and I'm just kind of saving it for when I need something super fun and page-turning. This is very open door. I Yes. <laughs> again, I'm very new to romance, but whenever I hear other people talk about romance, they always give that, like, warning. So I guess I feel like... Yeah, it's, it's real sexy and steamy, so... Yes. Yeah. know that going into it. <laughs> I did like how and I've I've heard people talk about this when they talk about romance that good sexy steamy scenes are the ones that really develop the characters and their relationship. It's not gratuitous. I fully felt that in this one. I think Tessa Dare's a master at that. She's one of she's just one of my favorite romance authors and for anyone new to romance, she's the first one that I recommend. And speaking of romance, kind of, this this one sort yeah. of defies genre a bit, which it, it does so very knowingly. We both read Beach Read by Emily Henry. I really loved this one. And I, um, I actually really liked Emily Henry's debut, A Million Junes, which is a YA novel. So when I saw this one pop up on NetGalley, I was like, what is she doing? Departure? I love it. But... Beach Read, it's kind of a wink title, like it's winking at the notion of a beach read. It 
involves a lot of meta talk about the literary fiction genre and what women's fiction means and romance and how genre sort of puts writers in boxes sometimes or how genre can help a writer get out of a rut. I just really loved this one. Yeah, I really liked it too. I was even thinking that I want to read aloud some of the passages where they're talking about women's fiction and literary fiction to my women in lit students. I always start that class on the first day. I have them look at Amazon's list of the top women's fiction, and we look at all the covers and the descriptions, and we say, based on these books, what would what would we think women are like and interested in? And it's just an interesting concept for me always to think that there's women's fiction, but there's no men's fiction. Like, that's just fiction. <laughs> and... I loved the way this book tackled that and explored it, and I like how some, the character wanted to sort of reclaim that title a bit. Yeah, and I loved the romance that's at the center. It is a very romantic book, and I loved the genre investigation, of course, and I also really enjoyed the way that this book explored grief and how people can reckon with their pasts and be happy in the present and future. There are quite a few trigger warnings for this one. I don't know that it would be obvious based on the bright yellow beachy cover, but it deals with, like I said, grief, abuse. There's a weird suicide cult mention, which there's not a lot of gory detail about that, but I still think it's good to note. But I love that all of that is included because so many reviews that I've seen are like, this was a romance, but, and I think that the book takes that statement and says, no, romance can be all of these things. It doesn't have to be a romance, but deep. It can be a romance and be deep. And I love the way that it investigates the genre like that. I love how you said that. It's an, it's an and, not a but. I think you're totally right. And I, I love how... The book explores the idea of happy endings and the way people see the world differently, and that's okay, but we can also learn from each other. And yeah, I, I love the romance at the core. I love I love a romance where, I think maybe we talked about this actually in our Emma episode, I think we tend to celebrate and talk about how in romance or in when people are in love they just fully accept the other person as they are and that's a lovely sentiment and I think ought to be true in many senses but I also love romances where the couple makes each other better and I really saw this in this one they weren't trying to change each other but they their relationship made both of them stronger and better completely and totally so in case anyone's not getting it we would like to press this in everyone's hands yes absolutely (laughs) and it's I think it's a great book to add to your beach bag over summer yeah and I think it would be a really good book club pick too Mm -hmm. there'd be so much to discuss in this one but I know a lot of book clubs my own included were looking for lighter reads and sometimes that's tough with a book club book because you also want there to be things that are that are right for discussion and this one has it all all right i am super excited now to get into our individual favorites of the month and the first one on your list is a classic that i'm really excited to read myself Okay, I have to give my little, like, 30-second disclaimer about favorites. I just really struggle (laughs) with picking favorites and ranking books because I I think in my teacher mind, I get into, like, well, am I picking the best books or the ones I like the most or the ones I want the most people to read or what I think would be most popular? It just really, really overthink it. So I just picked five books that I want to talk about. (laughs) So one of them is The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. This was my first Isabel Allende. I absolutely loved it. It's a big book, I think over 500 pages, and it has longish chapters, like 40 pages or so. And so I 
paced it out. I read it over the course of about two weeks and read one chapter a day, which I think was the perfect way to do it. It is a family saga. It's a kind of hard book to explain, and honestly, I would recommend going into it somewhat blind. I read the back cover, and some of the things that the back cover talks about happen in the last like 30 pages of the book, and I could not believe how much the back cover gives away. So really what you (laughs) should know is that it's a family saga that takes place in Latin America. It covers kind of an economic and political revolution and the different members of the family's political views and how they still love each other and drive each other crazy in the midst of these turbulent times. There's also a little bit of magical realism, I think, in the sense that the characters believe in spirits and ghosts and the other otherworldly things. As a reader, you can choose whether or not to believe those things are true, and I think that's a really smart way to bring in magical realism. Like, it doesn't really matter if you like realistic books or magical books, it's just the characters' beliefs are so important to the story. Really strong female characters in this one who are funny and brilliant and kooky in the best ways. It was just so fun and beautiful. And one day we'll do a full episode about this for sure. Definitely. It sounds like a great book to pick up for summer classic. It really is. It's not, I mean, there are definitely hard things in it and I, I guess I'd recommend looking up some trigger warnings. The The villain in the book is like, he's a bad guy. I really did not like him. But there are also books about, it's also about redemption. And it's a hopeful classic with a lot of momentum as well, which makes it a good summer read. That sounds so good. So my first favorite here is Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. And I think that we've talked about her on the podcast before in our poetry episode. And I absolutely love her writing. I'm a big fan of her work, and this is no exception. I absolutely loved it. Clap When You Land is, I don't even want to give too much away. It is about sisterhood and grief, and there's a bit of an immigration plotline to it. And that's all I really want to say about it, because I think that it's good to not know too much going in and to just listen and let her language wash over you. And I definitely recommend listening. So this was um, an advanced listening copy from Libro FM. And I highly recommend listening to her work. Elizabeth Acevedo narrates. And she's a poet. So it's just, it's so fantastic. And by the way, Libro FM updated their app and it's beautiful. So (laughs) (laughs) we love Libro. We were actually just gushing about them for 10 minutes before we started (laughs) recording. I could not be more excited to listen to this one. I actually just finished listening to Pride by Ibi Zaboy because I put it on my summer reading list and then I texted you and was like is there anything scandalous in this book that I'm not remembering and (laughs) you couldn't quite remember either so I listened to it really quickly and Elizabeth Acevedo narrates that I didn't know she narrated other people's books too but she's so good yes and she and Ibi Zaboy have kind of like a special writerly relationship she mentions Zaboy in the acknowledgments of this book And I know that they're pretty close, so I always like to kind of see which authors are connected to each other and are sort of, you know, helping revise each other's work. I think that that's fun. That's very cool. My second book that I loved this season was The Illness Lesson by Claire Beams. I'm pretty sure I talked about this on another podcast episode because it was so weird and good and I just loved it. And I'd I'd love to see more readers picking this up, which is why I'm plugging it again here. It takes place in 19th century New England, and it follows a woman who teaches at an all-girls school. And the all-girls school is kind of an experiment to see if girls can learn the things boys can. So can a girls' school teach 
Latin and Shakespeare and theology and have the young women really understand it? Or can girls really only learn like needlework and piano playing and those sorts of things? And it really kind of explores the way women's intelligence and desires for their own lives butt up against the societal expectations. And that, of course, is just, I think anyone who's followed my reading taste knows that that's right up my alley. And I just thought Claire Beams explored it in a really nuanced way and a way that I hadn't seen done before. Um, The book is a little dark, but also really propulsive. Like, I could not put it down. So if you're finding that that suits your quarantine reading taste, this might be a good one. Like, if you can deal with dark right now, you just need something that's a page turner, this might be one for you. I still have the copy from the library. It's stranded with me, so (laughs) I plan to pick it up over the next couple of months or so. It's a good one. I think you'll like it. All right. My next favorite was another, actually, a lot of these are audio. I've been big into audiobooks for the last few months. Me too. But another one that I listened to and really enjoyed is Most Likely by Sarah Watson. And it's been a while since I've been reading YA, but for some reason, YA on audio has just been great for this season of life that we're in. It's been keeping my attention lately and I've just really been enjoying it that way. So this one most likely is about four friends and the book opens and it's the scene of the first female president of the United States like accepting her new role. You don't know which of the four friends is going to be the first female president and so... Little like hints and clues drop throughout the book and you're constantly sort of like guessing back and forth, maybe it's going to be this girl or maybe it's going to be this friend. They're all go-getters. They're high achievers. They love each other really well and support each other really well. And it was really fun then at the end to sort of see the big reveal. And I was guessing all the way up to the end, which a lot of Uh, mystery and thrillers cannot do for me anymore. So um, this was a really, really fun one. And all of the friends are in their senior year of high school, like moving on to college, which I've found is like a sweet spot for me with YA. I think I can remember that time a lot better than say like freshman or sophomore year. There's a little bit more maturity with characters that age and I, I remember really enjoying that sort of like excitement on the cusp of something new. So that's sort of my sweet spot with YA is when the characters skew a little bit older like that. That's a really good thing to have discovered about your YA reading. I love that insight. I don't know if it's even so much <laughs> that I realized it or that more books are coming out in that huh. sweet spot where you know, instead of just having everybody's 16, because that's the (laughs) average age, whatever, that there are maybe just more stories coming out of the 18-year-olds sort of bridging that gap between YA and new adult. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to read that one and maybe recommend it to some of my seniors. You're so right. We do read a lot of YA. That is like 15, 16-year-olds. My seniors actually really like reading about (laughs) sophomores because they're like, ugh, such a sophomore decision to make. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, yes, you're so wise and mature. (laughs) I think that your students would love this one. I'm sure they would. I'm going to check it out. All right. Another one of my favorites this season was We Wish You Luck by Caroline Zancan. I listened to this one on Libro. And I listen usually at like 1.5 or 1.75 speed, so I get through things pretty quickly. This one I got through so quickly. I listened to it from start to finish in one day while I had a lot of cleaning and other stuff to do around the house. It was so good. It's about a low-residency MFA program, and all of the students who travel for 
two weeks a year, I think it is, and that's the time when they're on campus for this program. The rest of the year, they're they're writing. So it has like a campus novel vibe, but also very much a summer school, or sorry, a summer camp vibe, which is a feeling I can sort of remember, like that you get to escape your life for a couple of weeks and live somewhere different with new people and... I really loved that setting. The book is told through the collective we of the MFA students. All of them except like the three main characters who then they comment on these main characters who were sort of the standouts from the class. And the thing I really, really loved about this book, one, I love a slow burn. This isn't like a character driven novel. There's quite a bit of plot and intrigue but she makes you wait for it and then when you get there it's really an interesting um, development and then her characterization is phenomenal she is just a master at including a couple of details about a character and then you're like oh I know this person I've got it or I am this person and I've never felt so seen and I just think it's really cool when authors can do that it's a short one, so it's a slow burn that you can knock out in a day or two. I'm going to put that one on my list, I think. All right, Chelsea, what is your next favorite? Another one I really enjoyed on audio was Here For It or How to Save Your Soul in America by R. Eric Thomas. And oh, you're smiling so much just starting to talk about this one. It's delightful. He's hilarious. I love a memoir in essays, and that's what this is. Yes, you do. Those are just some of my favorites. And yeah, he's excellent. So um, he sort of got his internet fame for being a pop culture critic and humorist. But his memoir, well, that includes all of those things. It includes lots of pop culture references and his sense of humor. But um, it's also a really charming, sweet story. And I absolutely loved it listening to it and audibly cracked up while while walking the dog people probably looked at me funny when they were passing by I love that I definitely I've seen just such glowing reviews of this book and I really really would would like to to try it I've been listening to Samantha Irby's wow no thank you which similar memoir in essays humorous all that and have just been loving it so I think here for it will be what I download when I finish Irby's yes highly recommended and the audiobook was fantastic awesome so my both of my last two favorites were book club picks so my book club has been meeting online which has been fun we have like a standing Monday date and some of those are actual book club meetings where we talk about a book and others are just hangouts and so it's been really nice and we've been reading a book about every two weeks instead of every month now which is fun but one of our picks at the beginning of all of the pandemic stuff was Severance by Ling Ma which is a pandemic book we decided we first wanted to like lean in to this we were okay with doing that and severance is a book about a young woman named candace who is living in new york city and she has a really interesting job at a publishing company where she works on planning and publishing like specialty bibles which is a really interesting detail in the book and a unique job I've never seen come up in literature anywhere else. And then this pandemic comes into the city and it doesn't look anything like coronavirus. And I think that's why we could all read this. Okay. it It's a fever that makes people loop back through the patterns of their life over and over and they call it being fevered. And so you just go through your normal daily routines in almost this like zombie-like way. And so it's very 
we all found it very metaphorical. Like this was more a book about examining the way you go through the motions of your life than about a pandemic. And it was just so smart. It alternates between right before the pandemic and after. And so we get to see Candace's life leading up to it. And then in the present, she's kind of been taken in by this sort of radical cult-like group that's banded together to survive. And so that for sure gave me some Station Eleven vibes, which was interesting. It was just a really good book. I don't think I would necessarily even read it now that we're farther into this reality. But I think that it's just a really smart and interesting book. Great book club pick. And I think a lot of readers would enjoy this, even if you don't typically like dystopian or apocalyptic fiction, because it's very literary and original. Very different from anything else I've read. It sounds really good, but I think I will still avoid that one for a while. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. I know some some people are still really leaning into it, which is why I wanted to throw it out here. I mean, I know Vintage Anchor and a few other publishers are hosting in May. They're hosting a book club about Camus' The Plague. <laughs> so I know. So if that's you... Pick up Severance. It's kind of a happy medium between a pandemic book and being completely different than what we're actually experiencing right now. Well, uh, my next favorite could not be more different. Good. I think we need a break. <laughs> <laughs> my next favorite is The Rakes by Scarlett Peckham. And this is historical romance. And it is inspired by the life of Mary Wollstonecraft. Oh, yes, you met you messaged me about this. Yes. One. And I was so completely sold by the author's note, which is at the beginning of the book, which is a little unusual format wise, but I'm really glad that it was because it got me really excited to read the story. And just with the author's note and sharing her experience with her historical research, I was really excited to read this. So the main character is Serafina. Arden, and she is passionate about fighting for women's equality. And so she is a writer and she writes like pamphlets and things like that. But she is a rake S, which is a spin on rake, which in a lot of historical romances represents a man who spends like a lot of drunken nights sleeping around. And the famous quote from one romance novel is that rake reformed rakes make the best husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a rake ass. She is like the she's the sort of gender swapped rake of the story. And something really interesting that I've never seen in a historical romance novel, maybe not in any contemporaries, is that the heroine is struggling with alcoholism. Interesting. And Definitely different for a historical romance novel, and I love that that is getting explored in this book. But she meets Adam, who is a handsome Scottish architect, and he is a father, and his he's a widower, and you know he feels like he needs to restrain his passions for his family, but of course, sparks fly when they're together, and it's... It's moodier than Tessa Dare, so this is not like the same humorous tone, but it's super readable and really fun, also extremely sexy. Okay, I am so glad you talked about that one because, yeah, you'd mentioned it to me, but I'm glad to know more, and I'm glad to know how to pronounce the title and what a rakes is because I was looking at it and I was like, rakes, why? <laughs> I don't understand why it's spelled that way. Now I've got it. <laughs> All right. My final favorite of the season was Young Jane Young by Gabrielle Zevin. Have you read this one? No, I haven't. Um, I had it on my shelf for a while and I just wasn't picking it up. So I think that it might be on my mom's shelf right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when you make it back to Wisconsin, you'll pick this one up. So Zevin also wrote The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey, which I haven't read, but I know a lot of readers love it. And this one, I think it was more of her under-the-radar 
book, but every person who I've talked to who's read this loved it. So the book is about a young woman named Aviva. And when she is a 20-something intern on a political campaign, she has an affair with the married politician. And the book is told through different women's perspectives. It's told through Aviva's perspective, her mother's perspective, the wife's perspective, and then a young child's perspective, a young, a young girl. And it's weirdly funny for being about a really serious topic. Zevin is really good at making something heavy kind of light in a way that's not poking fun at the issue, but still allows for laugh out loud moments and some real levity. And I loved that this book is only told through the women's perspectives and none of the men are fully formed characters. It's like the reverse. This book does not pass the reverse Bechdel test. And I love that. I think it's really smart and fun. And all of the women are really different from each other. And Zevin captures their distinct voices in really clear ways. Like each of the sections is told in a unique voice and a unique style. So some of the sections are told through emails. Some are told in kind of a choose-your-own-adventure style. It's really playful and fun. I love a book that's fun and light but still tackles important issues and makes you think about them in new ways. And this is one of the best books at doing that that I've read in a long time. Such a glowing review. I also, as you were talking about it, I love when authors experiment with format like that. Yes, me too. And she does a really good job with it. That sounds like a good one. I'll see if it's still on my mom's shelf. (laughs) Yeah, it's also a good read for right now. It's fast and fun and has nothing to do with pandemics like my last pick. (laughs) (laughs) I have another fun pick for us, Unscripted by Nicole Kronzer. And uh, full disclosure, I know Nicole like in real life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She taught at the school where I did my student teaching. Um, She's an English teacher and she was not my mentor teacher, but she did mentor me a great deal. And uh, we kept in touch. And now she is a published author. And Unscripted is her YA debut It is about Zelda, who is a teenager who really wants to be on SNL. She wants (laughs) to be a famous comedian, and she loves improv. So she has an improv team at home, but she and her brother are going to an improv summer camp. And when she gets to the camp, they have auditions, and she makes it on the varsity team which is super exciting for her. At the end of the summer, the varsity team puts on a big show for people who are really well-connected in the comedy world. So she's hoping to like really show off for her idols. But she is the only girl on the varsity team. And so that comes with a lot of sexism, some full-on abuse and harassment. And a lot of those things are really not those scenes were not easy to read I was really angry reading Mm. this book yeah but a righteous anger and I was really angry but then also I would laugh because it's a comedy camp so it's also funny and the characters are charming Nicole she grew up in Wisconsin like me and she now lives in Minnesota so there's a midwestern sensibility to some of the humor and some of the characters that I just really really loved and connected with and I, I think that it's a really timely book, but I love the summer camp setting and sort of the light touch that YA can have with issues that are really important. That sounds so good. And I love that Nicole is a teacher because I think high school teachers get a really good glimpse at what teenagers are like. And so... I am looking forward to reading that one, and I think we've got to try to get Nicole on the podcast at some point. 
I think she'd be so fun to talk to. And if you do end up reading Unscripted, you'll definitely feel the English teacher vibes because there are some little like (laughs) nuggets, like certain (laughs) nerdy books that get mentioned. The dad is an English teacher. And so there are just some really fun bits and pieces that you can you can tell it was written by an English teacher, but it's not too heavy handed. Oh, I love that. Like little English nerd Easter eggs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I, I mean, we talked about the books that we both read at the top of the episode, and I'm glad we did that because then you got to share five of your favorite books with me that I haven't read yet. And (laughs) now I have a bunch more to add to my TBR. Yeah, likewise. It's really fun. Even though, obviously, we talk about books all the time, we don't just sit and give each other book reviews. So this is no. this is really Although fun. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to what we have in store this summer. And if people didn't catch our preview episode, they can go back and listen and figure out which books we'll be reading together. And I'm looking forward to doing another quarterly favorites wrap up and seeing what we ended up loving from the summer season as well. Me too. Yeah, we'll definitely be doing these as a wrap up for each season. And yeah, summer reading is always so eclectic and fun. So I'm excited for the six eclectic and fun classics we've chosen, but then I really can't wait to see what else you've read over the summer. If you would like some more classic lit enthusiasm and podcast news and sometimes what we're currently reading, you can follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod or Twitter at Novel Pairings. And we would love to know whether you pick up any of the books that we mentioned today. So feel free to tag us in your reviews or Instagram stories and tell your friends about the Novel Pairings podcast by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or just sharing our most recent episode on social media. We declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How soon one tires of anything than of a book. We'll be back soon with an episode on I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith.